Chapter 32 of Arona, Drew's Journey With a slap of the reins, Drew urged his horse to pick up speed, desperate to catch up to Trendon. He raced through the lush green countryside of Nudonia in the far south of Arona. He could hear Trendon's voice yelling back at him. You ride faster, or we miss boat! I'm going as fast as I can, Drew yelled back, struggling to keep control of his horse. Besides, your Komra is much more powerful than my horse. Trendon had joined Drew on this journey, instead of going with the others. Why are you coming with me anyway? Drew asked. I thought you were going with the others. I go with you, so Leafin can fly ahead and warn our people of attack. Well, thank you, but I'll be fine. You can go with Cubby and Jack to Nocer. You know fine. You die. I save you, Trendon replied sternly. Okay, well, thank you, I guess? Hurry! Boat leave in three hours! Ride faster! Drew did his best to push his horse even harder, riding through picturesque villages that looked like they were straight out of a medieval fairy tale. But no matter how fast he rode, Trendon's elk-like Comra seemed to effortlessly glide along the cobblestone pathway towards the Nidonian Sea. They had decided to take their chances and board a small, sleek ship and cross the treacherous, narrow sea in an effort to save days of riding. With one of the four vital springs of the Arone located in the city of Elden, it was a risk they couldn't afford not to take. They were convinced a cot would attack, and they couldn't delay any longer. The spring in Elden was tiny, but so was the spring in New London, and they attacked it. How long before Leafen will make it home to warn your people? Drew asked, his voice laced with urgency. Not long, little fool fast flyer. No more questions. Ride faster! As they rode, Drew's initial confidence in their plan began to waver. Leaving behind his brothers and racing back to the city of Elden seemed like a reckless move now, and Trendon's impatient attitude only added to his doubts. What if he arrived and Marin no longer had feelings for him? Or worse, what if they were too late and they had been attacked and killed? The thought of Marin and the others dead was devastating and so was the idea of never seeing his brothers again. The sweat of his horse drenched his thick pant legs as they pushed onward. Finally, the familiar smell of salty yet sour sea air filled Drew's nostrils. Under the cover of darkness, they rode through a towering stone gatehouse toward a small wooden ship with vibrant red sails. The worn wooden planks creaked and groaned under the weight of Drew's horse as he made his way across the narrow dock. The Nidonian sailor, busy untying ropes that attached the boat to the dock, urged them on in hushed tones. Quickly now, he whispered, glancing nervously towards the horizon. We must cross at night so Russo's ships don't see us. Drew cautiously led his exhausted horse across the narrow planks, the wood slick with light, misty rain that surrounded them like a veil. Easy, girl. Come on now, he whispered soothingly. Finally, the wobbly legs of the horse made it across when suddenly Trendon came jumping into the boat atop his comra. The eight-foot gap between the dock and the ship was nothing for his powerful beast. Never seen that before. He even made it over the ship railing, remarked the sailor in awe. Okay, off we go. As they set sail, the calm sea after the rain and the gentle wind pushing them northward brought a sense of peace and relief to Drew's weary body. And then he noticed something else. A beautiful sight that took his breath away. Look, he exclaimed, pointing upwards. 
Ah, a night bow, said the sailor, with a hint of wonder in his voice. You're lucky. They are rare. They only appear after the rain and only when there are two full moons. It's a good omen. The glowing lights above them danced in a mesmerizing display of green, blue, yellow, red, orange, and pink, each color intertwining with another in a graceful dance. The sailor explained its significance as he adjusted the sails. A night bow gives light when good fortunes are in sight. That's what they say, at least. I hope it's true for us. We need strong winds all night if we are going to make it to the other side before dawn. I've seen an increase in Russo's ships patrolling these waters. It's not safe. By the way, what is that accent you have? I've never heard it before. It's American, replied Drew. American? Never heard of it. What kingdom? It's from Earth, a country there. Oh, the old world. I don't know much about Earth. I was born on Arona, as were most of us Newdonians. I heard a rumor some more Earth folks showed up. Now you better get some sleep. We'll be there in just a few hours if this wind keeps up. Drew and Trendon quickly fell asleep on the deck, exhausted from riding all day. Ah, what is that? Why are they ringing all those bells? asked Drew. My guess is they're preparing for battle. That's the kingdom of Pennylark. They're our allies. I'm sure they received our messages when New London was attacked. I saw hundreds of messenger hawks fly out in the night before the invasion of New London. Once you make it through the city, take the north road to- I know my way home, interrupted Trendon, before his comrade jumped from the boat to the dock and ran off. Sorry about that. He's pretty much always grumpy. Thank you for your help. My pleasure. Nice to have met you. Make sure to look for that north road. Drew carefully walked his horse across the planks and rushed through the city in an attempt to catch up to Trendon. Pennylark seemed to be a grand city on the sea, with thousands of small onion-shaped domes on top of the roofs. The buildings were made of dark, rich wood, with many decorative carvings and silver-colored rooftops. Marching in long lines were tall, colorful, slender beings with decorated round silver shields on their backs and long, twisted silver spears in their hands. Desperate to find the northern road, Drew called out to one of the beings at the very back of the line. Excuse me, do you know where I can find the northern road? The creature quickly turned around in shock, revealing lime green and blue speckled skin and vibrant green and yellow hair that twisted upwards like vines. She said nothing, but reached up and touched the soldier in front of her. The gesture seemed to have a domino effect, as each soldier in front of her reached up and touched the one ahead until finally, someone to the left was signaled. Drew could only watch in amazement as they communicated without words. I speak English! I can help you! What do you need? yelled the stranger, way up ahead. Drew impatiently waited for the soldiers to march out of the way, and then approached the man on the left side of the street. He looked similar to the soldiers, but was bald with light green and yellow speckled skin, and wore similar speckled clothing. Trying to speak to a penny lockin' soldier? You must be from Nudonia. Soldiers don't speak. They only communicate by touch. Works great in battle. They all stand shoulder to shoulder and tell each other what to do. Work as a group. What's your name? How can I help you? Hi, I'm Drew. Nice to meet you. Drew said, while extending his hand for a handshake. Hi, Drew. I'm... Then the being made a terrible high-pitched noise, 
but you can call me Rylex. Undeterred, Drew left his hand there to shake, but instead, Rylex shot out a snake-like tongue and quickly licked it all over. Disgusted, Drew pulled back his now damp hand and wiped it on his pants. Welcome, traveler. Are you searching for some fine penny lock and silver? Or perhaps a piece of jewelry to take back to your wife in Udonia? The man's voice was smooth and persuasive, as he displayed an array of exquisite silver bracelets from inside of his coat. Drew shook his head. No, I'm looking for the Northern Road. I'm headed to the city of Elden. The man nodded knowingly. Ah, oh, you must be with that Elden Knight who rode through here on his Comra. He seemed to be in quite a hurry. That's the one. Which way did he go? The man pointed towards the grand roadway leading out of town. That way, my friend. But before you depart, perhaps you'd like to purchase a snack for your journey. My friend over there makes the best girdle in town. Drew smiled gratefully and reached into his small traveling pouch, pulling out a handful of glowing quan that he had received from Chelsiah. But the man laughed and held up his hand. Oh, no, that's far too much for a simple girdle. Here, take one on the house. He handed Drew a warm and freshly baked pastry with a savory filling inside. You know what? You're in luck. I'm headed north to the Wethard Kingdom myself. It's always safer to travel in pairs, especially in these uncertain times. Well, I'm traveling with that Elden man. I need to find him. Sure, sure, we'll find him. The way he flew by on that Comra, I don't know if you'll catch him. Come on, it's this way. Drew eagerly followed his new friend through the winding cobblestone streets of this grand city, marveling at the unique architecture that seemed to blend medieval Russian and Asian styles. As they weaved their way through the bustling streets, Drew was grateful to have Rylex as his guide. The Penelarkin people were out in full force, huddled together in groups and bidding farewell to loved ones with tear-streaked faces. But Rylex knew all the shortcuts and sneaky detours to avoid the congested crowds. The smells of the city assaulted Drew's senses. A pungent mix of rotten fish and spices mingled with the sharp scent of burning wood. He soon discovered the source of the smell as they passed by numerous food stalls selling a variety of charred eels. Drew tried to plug his nose in disgust, but couldn't help but be intrigued by the unique local delicacy. Their journey led them through an imposing Russian-style gate guarded by a sturdy drawbridge. As they crossed over it, the road split in two, with signs pointing the way. Here it is, the North Road. Come on, announced Rylex proudly, pointing to one of the signs with strange characters Drew couldn't understand. Drew hesitated, his eyes scanning the area for any sign of his friend Trendon. Wait, I want to see if he's coming. I have a feeling this is where he would wait for me. Unlikely, Rylex scoffed gesturing towards the tracks in the ground. Those look like Comer tracks to me. They're headed north, so if your friend wants to find you, he'll have to turn around. The road before them was similar to other roads on Arona, more of a wide dirt path than a proper road. Despite its rough appearance, Drew couldn't help but feel a sense of awe at the natural beauty in front of them. Rylex rode atop a majestic ostrich, its large frame moving swiftly beneath him. The animal had a luxurious blue saddle adorned with golden tassels and knobs, which seemed to be the preferred mode of transportation for his people. Drew had seen many of these magnificent creatures while passing through Pennylark. As the sun began to set, casting shadows through the thick jungle foliage, 
Rylix paused and gestured for Drew to follow him on a narrow path. The sound of chirping insects and strange birds filled the air as they made their way deeper into the wilderness. I think we should stop here for the night. It's safe. I've camped here many times before. Drew looked around, taking in their surroundings. The ground was covered in soft yellow moss, and the air carried a faint scent of flowers and damp earth. He turned to Rylex with a smile. Great. I'll get a fire going then. Fire? Why? It's a little cold, and I'd like to make a hot cup of tea before I go to bed, if that's okay. Oh, I see. Let me help you then, said Rylex, as he began collecting small twigs and licking them clean with his long black tongue. He arranged them on the ground and, with a quick scratch of two of his black nails, created a spark that immediately ignited the twigs into a small but warm fire. Wow. Well, I guess that's one way to do it, Drew remarked, a mix of amazement and disgust evident on his face. As they settled around the campfire, Drew noticed an old stone shrine tucked away at the base of a massive twisted jungle tree. Vines and ivy had grown all over it, giving it an abandoned and eerie appearance. What is that? he asked, pointing towards the shrine. That is why this path exists. It's an ancient temple, built by a people who have long since disappeared, explained Rylex, as he stoked the fire. What happened to them? asked Drew. I'm not sure. You get some sleep now. I'll take the first watch. Are you sure? Yes, yes, you rest. We are not like you, Earth folk. I only need about... Two hours of sleep a night. Well, thank you. I'll just make this cup of mint pine needle tea first. Do you want one? No, no. I only drink water. Thank you, though. As the night grew darker and the fire crackled, Drew and Rylex chatted comfortably, their animals grazing nearby. Eventually, Drew took off his horse's saddle and rested his head on it, quickly drifting off to sleep beside the warm flames. Drew's eyes shot open as a loud squishy thud jolted him awake. There, standing directly above him, staring at him, was Rylix, an arrow sticking out of his stomach. In a panic, Rylix attempted to pull out the bloody arrow with one hand, only to be struck by two more arrows in quick succession, one at his back and one at his neck. His body collapsed onto Drew's, black blood spilling from his mouth and falling on Drew's chest. Drew's heart raced as he tried to make sense of what was happening. From the darkness emerged Trendon's familiar voice. Why are you with this one? He yelled. Trendon, that was my friend. Why did you do that? This one not your friend? Fake friend. Only want money, snapped back Trendon, as he rushed over and picked up Rylex's hand that still grasped a long, narrow knife. Cut throat. Take Quan and horse. You fool. Drew could only stare in shock as Trendon's words sunk in. He had been traveling with a traitor all along. But before he could process any further, Trendon kicked dirt all over the fire with his comra and yelled out commands. No fire! No more sleep! Go now! He yelled as he rushed towards the northern road. Drew's mind was still reeling as he frantically strapped the saddle onto his horse and rushed to catch up. He rode hard through the dark night and passed through long tunnels of black trees with glowing pink and blue flowers. We have to stop, Drew shouted, as he finally caught up to Trenton. My horse can't keep going like this. You're going to kill her. Stupid animal. Why you take horse? My people could be dying under attack. I know way for you, snapped back Trenton, 
At that moment, Drew understood why Trenton seemed even more irritable than usual. The stress of knowing that the city of Elden and all its people might be under attack was obviously wearing on him. You go ahead, Trenton. I'll be fine. I have to rest my horse. Listen, this road for one more day and get to city of Elden. I go now. And with that, Trenton rode off. Drew dismounted his horse, allowing her to catch her breath and rest her weary legs. They had been rushing through the dense forest for hours, with no end in sight. Finally, the trees thinned and Drew could feel a sense of relief washing over him. However, this relief was short-lived, as he entered a vast swamp teeming with buzzing insects and dark water on both sides of the now narrow path. Drew was planning on sleeping at an abandoned castle on an island up ahead, but changed his mind after being attacked by large bats. He could see that the swamp ended not too far in the distance, so he decided to keep going. The darkness of the night was only slightly relieved by the two full moons of Arona, casting a pale pink light over the land. Drew's exhausted horse finally came to a halt at the top of a hill. Overlooking the murky swamp he had just passed through was an ancient structure that bore a resemblance to Greek or Roman ruins. He hoped this prime vantage point would allow him to spot any incoming strangers. Because of his near-death experience with Rylix, he decided not to have a fire and to never trust anyone again. After a few hours of much-needed rest, Drew continued on his journey. The road leading north was eerily quiet, and it dawned on him that this was the first time he had been truly alone since arriving on Arona. Back on Earth, Drew cherished solitude and often took camping trips by himself. But this was different. Here on this foreign planet, he couldn't be sure of his survival skills, or even if they would be enough to save him. Determined not to let fear consume him, Drew rode on with one hand resting on his sword hilt, ready for any danger that might come his way. Soon enough, just as it was getting dark again, he entered the great forest that blanketed the Elden Lands. The towering trees were unlike anything, their massive trunks stretching high into the starry sky, and their branches reaching out like welcoming arms. The familiar sight filled Drew's heart with excitement, as he knew he was approaching the moment he would see Marin again. A blood-curdling scream shattered the peaceful silence of the forest, causing Drew's heart to race with fear and adrenaline. With a firm grip on the reins, he steered his horse off the main road and through the dense trees ahead. As he drew closer, the faint smell of smoke and the glow of orange flames pierced through the thick canopy. Another scream pierced through the air, this one sounding like that of a child in distress. Fueled by adrenaline and a sense of duty, Drew dismounted his horse and tied it to a sturdy branch nearby. With careful, calculated steps, he moved stealthily towards the flames. As he got closer, his heart sank at the sight before him. Dead Elden men, women, and children lay scattered across the dark forest floor, their peaceful lives brutally ended. Through a narrow gap in the trees, Drew caught a glimpse of several Taronk soldiers rushing towards the city of Elden in the distance. It finally clicked. They were in an Elden village that they had passed through before, just on the outskirts of the main city. But now, it was nothing but chaos and destruction. Drew darted from tree to tree, his senses on high alert as he tried to get a better view of what was happening. His heart sank as he took in the full extent of the devastation. Every building engulfed in flames screams and cries for help echoing from all directions. 
and the center of it all, Drew could make out a large group of Elden huddled together on the ground, their hands bound behind their backs. He squinted in disbelief as he recognized Trendon among them, struggling to stand before being violently kicked back down by one of their attackers, one of the few remaining Tarant warriors. Amidst the thick smoke and chaos, Drew focused on his mission. He counted four guards surrounding the Elden prisoners as he made his way towards them, sneaking from tree to tree. Suddenly, one of the Elden stood up and tried to flee. Without hesitation, a Tarong soldier gave chase and ruthlessly stabbed the fleeing Elden in the back. This is my chance to strike, Drew thought, adrenaline coursing through his veins. Drew seized the opportunity and sprinted out of the smoke and quickly cut the throat of the distracted soldier standing over Trendon. Another Tronk noticed Drew and charged at him with his weapon raised high. Drew dodged his attempt to stab him and flipped the much smaller warrior around before stabbing him with his sword. Trendon watched in stunned disbelief as Drew bent down and cut his bonds. I'll get the one on the right, you get the other one, said Drew, as he tossed the Tronk blade at Trendon's feet and ran off. Trendon wasted no time, his heart racing with adrenaline as he picked up the fallen soldier's blade and charged toward the Tronk on the left swiftly cutting him down with expert precision. Across the battlefield, Drew mirrored his movements, taking out another Tronk with ease. Hurry! Free everyone! shouted Drew, frantically cutting the ties of the Elden soldiers around him. Trendon followed suit, his hands moving quickly as shouts and cries filled the air. They've taken our blowguns! one of the Elden warriors called out in English. We need to retrieve them before that building catches fire! The sound of high-pitched whistles called Comra and Eagles through the smoke. Your horse, said Trendon, riding up on his Comra with the reins of Drew's horse in his hand. Follow me! Drew quickly mounted his horse and rode beside Trendon as they galloped towards the city. Behind and above them, the group of recently freed Elden warriors followed, determined to defend their people. After a quick ride, they came to the meadow that led to the great city of Elden. The once beautiful city was now a chaotic scene of destruction. Flames rose from the high wooden walls, and giant Tarant catapults launched fiery projectiles at the city. Trendon, Drew, and their small army raced up from behind them, catching them off guard as they tried to fight their way through the main gate. Trendon crashed into the sea of Tarants, his Comra using its powerful antlers to hurl multiple soldiers at a time while he unleashed a storm of arrows at their surprised enemies. With expert precision, Elden darts flew through the air and took down any remaining Taronks in their path. Drew let out a fierce battle cry as he fearlessly rode into the fray, slicing through countless Taronks with his sword. His horse galloped with unstoppable momentum, bursting through the other side of the enemy line and through the main gate. Unfortunately, not all the enemies had been stopped at the gate. Some had made it into the city itself, terrorizing Elden women and children and setting fire to trees with lit torches. Driven by a fierce determination and fueled by rage, Drew charged on his horse from one Tarong to the next, striking them down before they could cause any further destruction. With panicked urgency, Drew shouted for Marin as he frantically searched through the chaos that engulfed the city. His heart pounded against his chest with each step he took, fear and worry driving him forward. He then raced up one of the spiral stairways that wrapped around the tree that he knew Marin was staying in. About halfway up, he was caught off guard by a Taronk warrior holding an Elden child by her hair and blocking his path up the tiny staircase. 
Drew raised his sword to attack, but before he could make a move, the soldier stabbed him in the arm, causing him to drop his weapon. In a quick and desperate move, Drew grabbed onto the warrior's wrist and headbutted him with all his strength. The soldier collapsed unconscious, and the child was released from his grasp. Without hesitation, Drew pushed the trunk over the railing and rushed as he fell to the ground far below. Drew turned to check on the child, asking breathlessly, Are you okay? She nodded tearfully. Drew continued up the staircase towards Marin's small house perched high in the branches. His mind raced with worry for her as he burst through the door. Inside, he found Marin huddled in a corner with two children, a knife clenched tightly in her trembling hand. Drew! Marin cried out, her voice trembling with fear. Are you okay? He asked frantically, scanning her for any sign of injury. Marin nodded and cried as they embraced. Come on, Drew said, gently guiding her and the two children towards safety. This tree is on fire. We've got to get below. Grabbing the two children in their arms, Drew and Marin raced down the stairs as fiery branches rained down from the trees above them. You guys hide here in this building, Drew instructed, opening the door of a sturdy stone structure. I'll be right back, I promise. Drew turned to face the battle raging on at the main gate. His eyes scanned the chaos, looking for any way he could help. Without hesitation, he charged towards the fray, joining forces with a group of Elden warriors as they fought off the invaders. The battle raged on for hours, with both sides sustaining heavy casualties. Finally, the Elden people emerged victorious, but just barely. For the rest of that night, the Elden people worked to put out the fires and save as many homes and trees as possible. As dawn broke and the fires were finally extinguished, Drew was summoned to the palace in the trees. Celebratory horns blasted as he walked into the throne room. Please, come forward and kneel. King Eldon beckoned him. Drew kneeled before the throne, feeling humbled and honored as King Eldon placed a shining eagle pin on his shirt. By wearing this eagle pin that I place on you now, all will know that you are a knight of Eldon, King Eldon proudly announced. This is an honor that has never been bestowed upon a non-Eldon before. Your bravery has helped save our people and our city. We Thank you. Cheers erupted throughout the throne room as Trendon walked over to Drew and pulled him up from his knees. Me still think you weak, said Trendon as he smiled. The healing power of their own quickly repaired Drew's injured arm and the city's restoration began. But their moment of peace was short-lived as a scout arrived with urgent news. Castone had fallen to King Richard's forces and now he was about to march toward the kingdom of the Tronks. I'm going with them, said Drew to Marin. To attack the Tronks? Why? We'll never be safe until Akkad is dead and the Tronks are wiped out. You could have been killed. Marin looked surprised, but proud. She admired Drew's courage, and her love for him swelled. I understand. Just come back to me alive. 